Okay, guys, we're we're in lesson 22. We're actually winding down our our series here. We only have after today four more lessons, and then we'll be progressing on into another study through the New Testament. But today we're going to finish up the issue of spiritual gifts. So let me let me just remind you of some things. What we've been talking about, we've been focusing on the issue of gifts in Really, the last three weeks, as we've been looking at chapter 12, 13, and the first part of 14, we're going to get the last part of 14 today. And I just want to remind you of some things. You may want to write these, these statements down, because this is really at the heart of the issue. First of all, because spiritual gifts are an issue today. Does everybody recognize that? Spiritual gifts are an issue today? It's interesting, because since we're going through this study... This week, the Barner Research Group released a study that said that most Americans in Christian churches have no clue or understanding about spiritual gifts. Would you agree with them? That most of us have no clue about spiritual gifts. Watch this. So I want to give you some points about, just to reiterate what we've talked about and then get into what we're talking about today, just to help you to understand. First of all, not every manifestation comes from God. We find that in the very first part of chapter 12. Because what they were struggling with there in that church was is they were experiencing manifestations that were being ascribed to the Spirit. And, and it, it was unusual things. So obviously somebody in the service, quote, was coming under the Spirit and cursing the name of Jesus. Weird stuff. And Paul says, you know, no one who has the Spirit will curse the name of Christ. And then he goes on and says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except that they have the Spirit. Because it's the Spirit that gives you understanding that Christ is supreme. So he's going to say, first of all, that not every manifestation is of God. That leads him then into a discussion concerning the very nature of spiritual gifts. Because this church was fixated on spiritual gifts. Let me just stop for a moment. Let me just explain to you. Churches can get fixated on things. Does everybody understand that? They can lose their balance and become fixated. So you, even today in our culture, North American culture, church culture today, we have churches that are fixated maybe on one particular gift. I know Baptist churches that get fixated on evangelism. And evangelism is important, but have you ever been in a church where they've been totally fixated on evangelism? To the point where... Your growing in Christ doesn't really matter. All that matters is how many people come to Jesus. How many of you have been in a church like that? I have. And, and that's a fixation. Now, the problem is, is that's an unhealthiness in that church to have where your focus is just on one thing. So this church was struggling with a focus on gifts. So Paul says, look, I'm going to explain to you what gifts are. Gifts are a manifestation or an ability or they are a gift from God for the benefit of the church. See, when you have people who are striving after something, usually, and this is Paul's point here, they're striving after it. Is it for the benefit of others? No, it's for their own benefit. It's for their own benefit because here's what happens. The danger with gifts is, is that gifts will appeal to your pride. Oh, I have this gift. I feel bad for you, Sam, because you I know you don't. Just that attitude right there, what does that express? 
pride. So Paul then goes into a discussion and says that all gifts, and if you want to write this down, all gifts are given for the benefit of the body. Period. They are not for you. So let me just say this to you. It is not about you. Church is not about you. Church is not about how you're feeling. Church is not about what your preference is. Church is not about you. It's about God and others. Does everybody understand me? Church is not about me. Because sometimes pastors can get hung up on this with, my church, my people. No, it isn't. I'm an under-shepherd. The great shepherd is who? Jesus. Pastors come and go. How many of you have had a lot of pastors in your life? I'm not the first one. Probably will not be the last. You understand? And, and that's just the issue. We've got to recognize that. So here's what I'm saying. It's about God. It's about others. It's not about me. So he says that. And then he says that every gift is important to the church. And he uses the illustration of the body. So he says, can the, can the foot say to the head, I don't need you? Can the mouth say to the hand, I don't need you either? I can tell you right now, my mouth needs the hand to put stuff in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, do you know what I mean? Or is, is, what if the body had, everybody had the same gift? He said, what if, if the body was just one big eyeball? You know? You know, it, it would be weird, wouldn't it? Every part is needed. Every part is necessary. The, I mean, how many of you have looked at your kidney lately? Nobody, but you're glad your kidney's there, right? How would you function without your kidneys? Not very well. You would get septic and die, probably. No, probably too. You would die. See, the point is, is every part, whether it's on the outside or whether it's on the inside, is important. And that's the point he's making about gifts. So then he goes on to chapter 13. But he said, yeah, but there's something more important that you guys are missing. And what you're missing, he says in chapter 13, is what's more important than gifts is love. The fact that we will love each other. So then he comes to chapter 14, is what we looked at, and says, look, love is a priority. Seek love. But if you're going to seek after gifts, if you're going to get fixated on gifts, then you seek after gifts that benefit the whole body. So then he draws the analogy between the issue of prophecy and the issue of tongues, and he points out that tongues, without interpretation, is a personal gift. It only benefits the person who speaks it. It has no benefit to anyone else. In fact, he goes on and says, you know, it would be like, it would be annoying to everybody else just to hear utterances without any understanding, without any intelligence. But he says the greater gift is to proclaim truth, prophecy, as the Holy Spirit gives direction, to proclaim truth because that benefits who? Everyone who hears it. You know, and so he uses illustrations like this. So, for instance, I said, you know, if I came over here, you know, I'm a master pianist, okay? Let's sing Amazing Grace together. All right, let's go. Join me. Can't you hear it? Nobody's... You can begin. Now, if the whole service was like that, where would you be? You'd be like, man, I am glad we're out of it. I got a headache. That was annoying. See, that's the whole point he's saying. The use of gifts 
Listen, again, let's go back. He says tongues is a personal gift. Prophecy, though, is what? For everybody. Because it's got to be for the understanding of others. He even talks about it from the standpoint of the, so it's about believers' understanding, too. He said, look, if, if an unbeliever came into a service and everybody was speaking in tongues and there was no interpretation, he would look at you all, and what did Paul say? That they're out of their mind. But if he came in and heard the word of truth proclaimed through prophecy, then the secret things of his heart are revealed. So what do you think the secret things of his heart refers to? His sin. And... He then says, God, he falls on his face and says, God is among you. Why? Because God spoke to him. See, that's why he's saying, it's not a personal thing. It's not about you. Man, let, let's get it together on this. I mean, George, it's not about me. Sam, it's not about you. It's about what? All of us. All of us. And we've got to be careful. I mean, let's just stop for a moment. I went to, you know, good old Baptist. They call us fighting Baptists for a reason. Because we fight each other. Now let me ask you a question. Once you think back, some of you have been in church a long time, longer than I've been alive. I just turned 43. And uh, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to see. Think back to church fights that you can remember. And there are probably some that are memorable. What was at the heart of it? Love? Pride and selfishness. See, here's the thing. Even if you are right, the rightness can get lost in pride. Do you notice that? Even if you're right, this is a good principle for you to understand when you are even conflicting in your own home. Even if you are right, the right can get lost in self. And let me explain something about self. Self does not build anybody up. Self tears down. Isn't that interesting? That's a hard one for me to grasp. But we do need to. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's hard, isn't it? So today we're going to talk about the exercise of gifts. We're, we're going to wrap this thing up. He's going to hit various different things. He's going to give them some guidelines. So I want you to understand something. When we talk about gifts, there are guidelines for gifts. There are principles that need to be understood for the exercising of those gifts. Because the key issue, well, we'll talk about what the key issue is here in a moment. So let's look with me, first of all, let's look at verse 26 through 33 of chapter 14. And we'll get right into it and get through this today. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. And if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let him first keep silent. 
for you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. But God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, we're going to talk about the issue of participation. Each one, Paul is saying, has something to offer for worship of the church. Each one has something to offer. Everyone has something to offer. Look at what he says there, verse 26, first part. He says that when they come together, he says, each of you has a psalm. Now, they sang psalms. I want you to understand something. We read the psalms, they sang them. Because the psalms were meant to be sung. All right? So they sang them. Each of them has a, has a psalm. Has a teaching. They have something to teach. They have a tongue. They have a revelation. They have interpretation. And so here's what he's saying. Everybody has something to offer to the worship service. Now, here's what we've lost that today. Because what we've done today is we've become a spectator sport. Where basically you just need to come and sit. And you'll be told when to participate. Which is, of course, when. Pray silently when we pray. Sing out loud. Out loud when we sing. And, and that's it. But, and so, probably, and here's what happens. Most of you become pew sitters. And in your mind, and you may have even been taught this, that when it comes to the worship and the gathering of the church, I really don't have anything to offer. We got George, we got Brad, we got Sunday school teachers, we've got people who share in music, and that's it. There's nothing for me to do. I have nothing to offer. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. Every one of you has something to offer. That's what he's saying here. Every one of you, if you are a Christ follower, if you have made that commitment to follow Jesus, you have something to offer to for the worship of the church. Because he's gifted you. Now, your part may not be seen. Your, mark, your part may be seen. But every one of you has something to offer. Now, here's the reason why. All must be done for the edification of the church as a whole. Because the purpose is not that we put on a good show. Does everybody understand me? It's not about putting on a good show. So have you noticed that sometimes things don't go perfect? Have you noticed that sometimes things don't go perfect? Maybe... Maybe the music's just not perfect that day. Maybe George flubs up when he's speaking. You know, maybe maybe things just don't happen on time or whatever. Have you noticed that things just don't go perfect? Have you noticed they never go 60 minutes? Some of you have noticed. I've heard. Okay? Now, but here's what I'm saying. The reason, see, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on it as being a... Production for come bless me today, church. No, 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 no. You've got it wrong. You're here to bless the church. And what's the church? The building? The pews? The organization? No. Listen, let me explain something to you. The organization exists because of the laws of Pennsylvania. 
That's the only reason why there is a, quote, incorporated body called Kermansville Christian Church. But that's just the, quote, the legal aspect of it. You are the church. And you have something to offer that would benefit, listen to me, this is the whole discussion that gets here, that would benefit who? Everyone else. Now, here's what the enemy will do. He'll come to you. I'll, I'll pick on Sam today. He'll come to you and he'll say, oh, yeah, that's for everybody else but you, Sam. We just don't have anything to offer. So that's what you do. You don't have anything to offer. Here's the other light hitter. I'll pick on my friend Bruce. He's back. I can pick on him. Uh, here, here's, here's, he'll, he'll say to Bruce, yeah, I know you can do it, Bruce, but do you remember how you messed up? And now you can't do anything. See, the enemy will lie to you and say you're disqualified. You're not worthy. But you know what? The Bible is very clear. Everybody has something to offer, and what they have to offer must be done for who? The body. The building of the body. That is so important. See, do you understand what I'm saying? It is not about me. It is not about you individually. It's about all of us. We've got to keep that in perspective. Listen, can I explain something to you? When a church grabs a hold of that concept, that it is not about me, it's about God and about each other, that stands in stark contrast to a society where everything is about the individual. And have you noticed people are train wrecking their lives because it was selfishness that was guiding them and they want something more. But you know what? They're not interested in the church because they were in the church and they saw that the church was just like the rest of the world, selfish. And they want something more. You want something more. And the only way to get something more is for us to be there for each other and build each other up. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about each other. Does everybody understand? That's what's going to reach a world for Christ. Isn't that not what Jesus said? By this shall they know that you are my disciples by your, what? Love for one another. And listen, when he said by your love for one another, he wasn't talking about people getting together and saying, oh, I love you. I love you. No, he wasn't talking about lip service. He was talking about love shown. This is the point. This is what's happening here. So let's go on. He's going to talk about some guidelines for the issues of tongues. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, is this really for real? Listen, this is an issue today. There are folks who are exercising what they believe this is their gift. And the issue is not to argue with them and say, your gift is not for today. Because they can come back and say to you, well, yes, it is. The issue is, what does the Bible say? And let's stay with what the Bible says. So here's some, it gives some guidelines for the issue of tongues. And look at what he says. First of all, Paul limits the number who can speak in tongues in a service. He gives some specific guidelines here. Okay, if this gift is going to be exercised in your midst there, he says to the Corinthians, let there only be a certain number of people who can exercise. So it shouldn't be just a madhouse thing. Where everybody's doing it, because the overguiding, look, what's the controlling principle? Everything must be done for what? For the building up of the body. So then he goes on and he says, look, 
Paul states that there must be an interpreter. If that gift is going to be exercised, and if it's going to be exercised, because remember, he referred to it as a personal gift, where the person who speaks it benefits from it. Where the person who speaks it benefits from it. He said, now, if that person is going to exercise that gift, it's not a personal thing for him in that worship service. It's got to be for who? Everybody else. So if they're going to speak, there needs to be, what, somebody who can explain to everybody else what's being said. That's what he's saying here. So let's go on then. So the issue then is, if there's no interpreter, those who speak in tongues must remain silent. Now, that's not me saying that. In fact, let's look at this verse. Verse 28. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and God. Listen, Paul's not saying that they're not to speak in tongues. Let me just stop for a moment. He's not saying to them that they can't exercise this gift. He's saying that they can't exercise the gift with the body if no one's going to interpret what they're saying. Because why? Gifts are to be used for the benefit of others. I'll give you an example. We'll take it from the Apostle Paul. Let's say today at the worship service, I tell Brad, Brad, I'm going to do a piano solo. And so I come during the service and say, okay, folks, let's get ready to worship. What benefit is that to you? Now, I'm going to feel really great that I got to lead and worship at the church. I'm going to get a lot of benefit that I'm doing what I feel God has told me to do. Bruce, how do you feel about me exercising what I think is my gift? Okay. You're kind. But here's my point. Here's what he's saying. I, I mean, I could get, man, I'm feeling, I mean, I could be up there proud, banging it out. Nobody's getting anything from it. It's not benefiting you. That's the underlying principle he's saying here. So if there's no interpreter, you need to be quiet. Here's what he's saying. Without an interpreter, tongues must remain personal. Jack, can I be honest with you? The issue isn't whether or not tongues are for today or not. Can I be honest with you? Let me just explain that to you. That may shock you because I know in our Baptist circles we say that it's not. That is not the issue. That is not the issue of whether or not they're for today or not. The issue is, is if somebody feels that they have that gift, the question is, are they being biblical about it? Period. That's the issue. And if you're going to argue with them and say it's not for today, you don't know. Can I be honest with you? You don't know because all you have as our authority is what? The Bible. That's our authority, not what some preacher told you. So you be biblical. Be biblical. See, that's the issue. I think we need to, you understand what I'm saying? I think we need to grasp a hold of what the Bible says. And the Bible gave some very clear, clear things here. Look, look at what he says here. He didn't tell them to stop. He said, okay, if you're going to do it, do it with these guidelines. 
All right, so then he goes on and gives some guidelines for prophecy. He even limits this. He gives some limits for prophecy because everybody could say, i got something to say. Now, if everybody got up and said, i got something to say, where would we be? We'd have problems. So he gives some guidelines here. Paul limits the number who can share a prophecy, who can share truth. He limits the number. Are you getting the picture here? It's not an issue of having freedom. Listen, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday about this. Freedom without restraint leads to destruction. See, we live in a culture today that says, I got freedom, baby. Let me do what I want to do. But listen, freedom without restraint leads to destruction. You may want to write that down. That's a good principle to remember. Freedom without restraint leads to destruction. In fact, when I was discussing this, I was a family gathering. I was talking to some of my relatives. And I said to them, I, I said, you have teenagers. If you gave them total freedom, you know it's going to lead to what? Destruction. So you give them freedom, but there is restraint upon the amount of freedom they have. You know what I'm saying? Now, they want you to let go. But see, you're mature enough to understand what they don't understand. So here's the point. So what I'm saying is, so he says there, there has to be limits to the number who can share a prophecy. So that no one dominates a gathering, they were to defer to one another. Have you ever, how many of you, all of us here, how many of you have been in the grace group? A small group Bible study. Have you noticed that sometimes, over the years I've taught many groups, and over the years you will have somebody, I don't know, Mr. Bible Man showed up or something, and they just like, every time there's a question, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, and, and sometimes it's not even ooh, 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 ooh. It's, I don't answer. And they're just, blah. And, and, and they dominate and watch everybody else in the group. What does everybody else in the group do? They just kind of shrink back. We better let him answer it. And then after a while, some of them say, I'm not even going to come to the group anymore. Why? Because one person is dominating. And the group leader pulling his hair out. That's why I've lost all my hair. You know, pulling his hair out wondering, what am I going to do with that person? You know? They're dominating. See, this is the reason why he says... You have to limit who can share, because if you don't limit who can share, somebody will dominate every gathering. And look at, notice what he says there. You want to defer. What does it mean to defer? If I say I defer to Bruce, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm letting Bruce take the forefront, not me. Now, isn't that fit right in with the principle that everything is to be done for who? Others? Does it fit right in with what I said? It's not about who? Me? And listen, some of the guys, some of the guys and gals who dominate your groups, can I be honest with you? It's an insecurity issue on their part. And the reason why is because they gotta have everyone looking at who? Me. Look at me. God's smart are This is, there's some principles here, isn't it? So you limit who speaks. Okay, let's go on. Orderly proclamation of prophecies would benefit all. So, you ever notice that we don't have a free-for-all here? Everybody, share what's on your mind. That's not going to benefit anybody. I mean, look, seriously though. 
I mean, you may show up today and you're upset because of how the pens are doing. Well, I think, you know, you're saying, who's the pen? The Penguins. Pittsburgh Penguins for hockey fans here. All right. Some of you don't care. All right. What if, listen to me, what if you just came and spoke what was on your mind? What would happen to the body? Chaos. Be chaotic. So an orderly proclamation of truth is going to benefit who? Order. Oh, let me explain something to you. God is a God of order. You want to write that down if you want to. God is the God of order. God is the God of order. So then he goes on, and here's what he says. Unlike tongues, one who prophesies is in control of his actions. Unlike tongues, the person who is prophesying, proclaiming truth, is in control of his actions because he understands what's going on. He can control what he's saying, so therefore, he can remain silent when he needs to. Does everybody understand me? Now, let's look, then, he talks about the nature of God. God, by nature, is not the author of confusion in churches. God, by nature, is not the author of confusion in churches. Look at what he says in verse 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So God is not interested in creating chaos and confusion in a church. He's interested in a church being at what? Peace. Isn't that interesting? That is such an underlying principle. Let me just stop for a moment. I mentioned earlier especially in our circle churches, that sometimes we get all fussy and fighty and, you know, fight and fume. And you guys, some of you remember business meetings or whatever where there was a fight or whatever. Have you noticed that with the people who were pushing an issue, they were pushing an issue based upon what they thought was right? Can I tell you that there were probably, I know in the instances that I've been in, what was not there was the pursuit of peace. It was that their, what they thought was right, happens. See, there's a great principle even for you in your marriages. Let's stop for a moment. Because, I mean, you're going to conflict in your marriages, right? Right? You're going to conflict. If you're dominated by selfishness, I can almost guarantee you, you are not interested in the peace of your home. You are interested in proving yourself right. You see what I'm saying? Your interest, see, the issue is peace. God is not the author of confusion in churches. He's interested in peace in churches. So let's go on. Now we're going to get into a hairy topic, and that's the role of women in services. Okay, let's look at verse 34 and 36. Let your women keep silent in churches, for they are not permitted to speak but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it you only that it reached? So here's what he's saying. And understand, this is partly a cultural issue, so we'll explain it a little bit. 
women were not to openly question teaching in church. Now, let me explain to you what's going on here, because you guys say, man, what kind of a heavy, man, that just almost is oppressive. What's he talking about here? First of all, Greek culture, you understand, the culture of that time. So you've got to understand, when we look at a passage, we've got to look at what the culture was there and gain the principle and bring it forward. In that day, the Greek culture did not allow women to speak openly in public events. They were not to speak openly in public gatherings. You know, even in this country, it wasn't, it wasn't I mean, when, when this country was first founded, were women given the right to vote? Well, so you need to understand something, okay? So when we're going back 2,000 years, in the Greek culture, they weren't even allowed to, talk, to openly speak in public gatherings. Some of the Corinthian women felt that their freedom, now in Jesus, allowed them to throw off those cultural restraints so they could say anything. So Paul's looking at them and saying, in your context, you're, you're a church there. Culturally, that is not acceptable for you to do that. So you need to be silent in your service. Now, let me stop for a minute. Let's bring that principle forward. First of all, in our culture, are women allowed to speak in public gatherings? Yeah. So it's not a cultural issue to us. So, here's what he's saying, though, but it was, what they were doing, though, is they were openly questioning the teaching. Now, he's going to get to a greater principle here, and I'll explain to you what it is. The issue is submission, though. Paul instructs these women to discuss these issues with their husbands at home. Now, why do you think he's telling them to discuss it with their husbands at home? Why with their husbands? Okay, so their husband could speak in public. Okay, that's good. Here's another thing. Who's supposed to be the spiritual leader? The man. Now, I understand that's not true in every home. But the husband should be the spiritual leader, so therefore, if she's got a question, they need to discuss it at home. They need to discuss that issue at home. There's a greater principle here, and the greater principle is that she submits to her spiritual head. Who's her spiritual head in a marriage? The husband. So she asked that question at home. So let's go on then. So everybody grab that? All right, let's go on. So here, he's saying Paul stresses that this standard was held by all the churches. Of course, they were all in Greek culture at that time. Even in the Jews. The women didn't just get up and do their own thing. Now, he gives some final thoughts in verses 37 through 40. So let's look at these real quick. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, let's look at what he's saying here. First of all, if anyone is spiritually mature, let them recognize the authority of Paul's teaching. Listen, if you are spiritually mature, you're going to look at this and you're going to recognize the authority of what he's saying. Because the focus of what he's saying is not about who? Paul. It's not about anyone individually. It's about the benefit of who? Everyone. And so let me explain to you again. Church is not about who? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about each other. That's the point. So then he goes on. And he said this, those who are ignorant, those who just want to be ignorant about stuff, let them be ignorant. 
So there's a great principle here that you need to recognize. Sometimes, if, if he, you know, a lot of times we have this concept that we need to focus on everybody and get everybody to grow. But if people don't want to grow, don't waste your time is what he's saying. If they want to be ignorant, if they don't want to mature in Christ, then you let them be ignorant. See, that's a great principle there, isn't it? Because here's the thing. How much time do you have to spend with everybody? First of all, take, you, you know how much you're working. And, and you can get into a guilt trip. Well, you're just not focusing on so-and-so. I'm going to explain to you. If people don't want to grow, don't spend your time there. That is a great principle. Let's go on. Those who want to be ignorant, let them be ignorant. Next thing. Paul encourages them to seek the gift of prophecy. Again, the proclamation of the truth. Look, if you're going to seek a gift, he says, remember now, that's their fixation is on finding gifts. They want gifts. If you're going to seek a gift, then seek a gift, because he already made this argument in the first part of 14, seek a gift that's going to benefit everybody. Not just yourself, because it's not about you. So then he goes on. But then he also says this, they are not to forbid the use of tongues. Look, we got a chapter and verse that says it right there. You're not to go around forbidding people to do that. But you're to explain to them that's a personal thing. So let's go on. Then there's an overall principle here. Here's the overall principle. All gifts must be exercised in decent and orderly manner. Everything must be done in a decent and orderly manner. Look at what he says, verse 30. Let all things be done decently and in order. That is the overall principle. That should be our guidance. That's your guidance. Okay, now here's what's happening. Next week, we're going to enter into a new subject. And he's going to spend a lot of time talking about the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus and the surety of our resurrection as believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, let's close our time of prayer.